Well, we're back for another edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure to get together with you. Today, we want to welcome to our studio Dr. Sam Shaw, Jr. Sam is the lead pastor of the Orchard Fellowship in Collierville. Sam, good to have you here today. Good to be here, Byron. I see the junior behind your name, so tell us something about Sam Shaw Sr., your dad. My dad was married to my mother for 62 years. She developed Alzheimer's, and he basically took care of her until the day that she died. And then nine months later, he failed to thrive and died himself. I think he probably died of a broken heart, but just a faithful man, a World War II veteran, served in the oil business. My mom and my dad took us to church from the time we were children. So I love my dad very much. Never heard my dad say, I love you, until the night before he died. I walked out of the room where he was at hospice. I said, I love you, Dad. And my dad said, I love you too, very much. Wow. And those were the last words I heard my dad say. Words that, you know, he was part of that generation. Yes. It was difficult for them to express their emotions. So great that you were able to hear those words. And we all need that affirmation from our dads and our moms and to have that loving environment. It sounds like he left you a great legacy, though. He did. Yeah. He certainly did. Yeah. The Orchard Fellowship, man, things are really happening. You guys uh, took a, a recreational building and transformed it into the place for the body to meet there. The Lord was so good to provide a place for us. We were a mobile church for six and a half years, wearing out our people, wearing out our equipment, found an abandoned fitness center, repurposed it. We've been in it about a year and a half. Just seen so many good things happen as a result of that. Well, I know another great part of Sam Shaw's life is your wife, Ruthie, because as a pastor, you've got to have the support of a good woman, and Ruthie is just that kind of lady I know. She is that. She's got physical problems and has suffered uh, much in her life, but she is the godliest person I know, far more than myself. Yeah, Uh, We've been married 45 years, have four children, nine grandchildren, one of which is in heaven. So God's been very, very good to us. I know you went through a season of some real deep pain. God taught you through that. I'm a grandfather now, and I've got two granddaughters, and so I know what it's like to have these little precious lives calling you Poppy or whatever they call you. Affectionately, my grandkids call me that. And I feel like that's my calling in life, to be able to invest in their lives and to spend time. She was here in my office just a few days ago. I just spent the afternoon with her. Say, come up here, and we're going to hang out. I think we've minimized the role that grandparents can have in the lives of their grandchildren. Scripture speaks a great deal of that, uh, about that. So it's a real joy for us. Something else about Sam Shaw always appreciate is your adventures. Man, you're a guy that just is not afraid to tackle climbing high mountains or going on trips around the world. Always enjoy following your adventure and your adventure spirit you have. Two years ago, I walked across Spain in what is called the Camino de Santiago. Uh, I asked our church and my family to pray that every day I would be able to uh, talk to someone about the Lord. And that actually happened, except two days when it was raining and we were climbing a mountain. But so many gospel conversations, so many opportunities to meet people and hear their search for purpose in life and to point them to the only one who can give that. Well, Sam, I know one of the challenges for a pastor is to keep motivating your people, I mean, to press on toward that goal in Christ Jesus and the calling that he has on our life, and to be disciplined in that call. And you've got this Christian Life Conference that you're putting together. It's coming up on August 3rd and 4th at the church. We've got more details to give about it. You're addressing the two most important personal spiritual disciplines, which you call Bible intake and prayer. Right. Actually, Dr. Don Whitney, who teaches at Southern Seminary and has written the book on spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, is going to be leading this conference, speaking and sharing out of his study, his own life. This man speaks around the nation. 
so many different places, teaches spiritual formation at perhaps the largest seminary here in the United States. So we're very grateful and very excited that he's able to be with us. Well, not only is he going to be with you at the conference, he's with us right now on the phone. Dr. Whitney, it's so good to have you here with Bot Radio Network this afternoon. Thank you, Byron. It's good to be with you both. Tell me about your relationship with Sam Shaw. How long have you known Sam? (laughs) Well, Sam and I have been sort of ships passing in the night. We've had a million mutual friends. And he actually asked me to preach for him one time several years ago when he was pastor of another church, but he had to be gone. It was a Sunday night, and uh, he had to be gone. might have been a last-minute thing, as I recall, and I missed him there. And so we've had uh, almost no face-to-face time, but even though we've kind of known each other from a distance and a lot of mutual friends for, for many, many years. Well, Don, I recently read in one of your blogs where you said, March 1st, 1985, was a day that forever changed my life, and virtually every day of my life since. What exactly did you mean by that statement? I was a pastor at the time, pastoring in uh, the suburbs of Chicago. We had a conference, like a conference I'm about to do there in Memphis. But this man was teaching in the evenings, but also a Bible study in the mornings, and he was going through the prayers of the Apostle Paul. In this study, uh, he said at one point, holding up his Bible, folks, when you pray, use the prayer book. And of course, I'd always heard that we should pray the prayers of Paul in those passages. Those are very valid prayers to pray for the church and for people in it today. But something about him holding up the Bible and saying, when you pray, use the prayer book, caused it to click with me that the whole Bible was a prayer book, that we could pray not only the prayers in Ephesians, we could pray the whole book of Ephesians. So I started praying through passages of Scripture, eventually focusing primarily on the Psalms, and it was many years later, actually, before I found out this was a, you know, an ancient practice in the church. And even sometime after that, before I realized there are places in the New Testament where we read that Jesus did this and that Christians in the early church did this. And so it just developed from that. But that's been a practice of mine almost every day since the 1st of March, 1985. And, and I can say there's nothing in all my devotional life that more quickly and consistently kindles my consistently cold heart in prayer, like praying the Bible. And that's one of the things I'm going to be teaching there at the Orchard Fellowship. Sam, for you, any thoughts in your own personal life when it comes to praying Scripture back to God? I was challenged as a college student by a friend who was in the Navigators. So I memorized what's called the topical memory system as a college student and began to actually incorporate those into my prayer life and found they've have stayed with me. And my own story is that nothing jumpstarts someone's spiritual life more than Bible memory, Bible meditation. And that's one reason I'm pretty excited about Don coming and sharing about how you actually can do that and why do it and what can happen when you do that. Don, since that pivotal moment back in 1985, can you maybe share some examples of how praying the Bible back to God has helped to carry you maybe through some of life's valleys or some of those uh, difficult periods in life? Well, it's almost always been from the Psalms. We have not only the miracle of the inspiration of 150 Psalms, we have the miracle of God's preservation of them for 4,000 years because they reflect the entire range of the human experience. Someone has said the Psalms are like a little Bible. Every doctrine in the Bible is in the Psalms, and that there's a psalm for every sigh of the soul. You'll never go through anything in your life without finding the root of that experience, or that emotion at least, reflected somewhere in the Psalms, even if you weren't able to articulate it. And 
if you pray through the Psalms, it's uncanny how one of them will put into expression something that's looking for expression in your heart, even when you didn't realize it. And so on countless occasions, Byron, I have gone to prayer, burdened about something in my life or in my church or ministry or family, and found that the Psalms perfectly expressed what, uh, again, was looking for expression in my heart, but I didn't know how to say it. So, I mean, it's it's a regular occurrence to find that the Bible puts into expression exactly what my soul needs to say. And, and therefore, there's this sense of it's a real conversation with God, because that's what prayer is, isn't it? Yeah. And not imagining God saying things away with that, that sort of mysticism. The Bible is God speaking. And so he speaks to me in verse 1 that says, perhaps, you know, he's my shepherd. And then I respond, like a real conversation with a real person, thanking him for being my shepherd, asking him to shepherd me in this decision, to shepherd my family, to cause my grandchildren to be his sheep and love him as their shepherd too. And then when I can't think of anything else, I let the other person speak. I let God speak, and that's called the next line. I shall not want. And then I respond like a real conversation. And so God is willing to have that conversation with you every day for as long as you want, and all you do is open the pages of the Bible and talk to him about what you see there. So there really wasn't a seminary class that you had back in school that taught you a method of taking the words of Scripture and turning them into prayer. You kind of discovered on your own. That's right. Then this was, like I said, I'd been out of seminary by this time six years, and it just kind of came to my mind when the guy held up the Bible and said, use the prayer book. I I did discover later it didn't originate with me. It originated, number one, in the Bible. Second, it's been an ancient Christian practice since the times of the Bible. But I can tell you that uh, in my classes at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, there's seminary classes where they're taught that now. That's great. We need some practicality, don't Mm -hmm. we, Sam? I know. Uh, What about the spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, Sam? We talk about Bible reading. We talk about prayer. What are some of the primary spiritual disciplines for our Christian faith outside of those two? Worship, service, you can divide spiritual disciplines into more public or more private practices. I've called them habits. Uh, I heard a man say one time, if you want to change your life, change your habits. Change your marriage, change your habits, or change your physical health. I think the same thing happens with our walk with God. In fact, in, in life, as I understand spiritual disciplines, these are habits that if you build into your life literally become avenues or ways to access the presence of God, could draw near to Him, hear Him speak to you through His His Word, His His Spirit. You speak with Him, and then it flows out through your life. Don, what makes those spiritual disciplines for our Christian life such a struggle at times? And is there a formula or a certain amount of practice needed before one can reach a, a level of success? Well, they're difficult because, as Paul says in Galatians, the Spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit. So, the, the Spirit prompts us and gives us an appetite for these practices that help us experience God and conform to Christ's likeness. The flesh, that, that part of us as Christians still, that part of us that still finds sin attractive and appealing, wants to be slothful or wants to neglect these things. So it's, it's also hard because the practice of the spiritual disciplines, I say to people, that the desire and the power comes from God, but it, they pretty much feel like all of you. And the classic example, well, biblically, first of all, Colossians one twenty nine, Paul is talking about his ministry, and then he says, for this, I toil. Well, thus far, Paul is doing toiling. But he says, struggling according to his power, which works mightily within me. So when Paul went to bed at night, Paul was the one who was tired, not God. 
it felt like it was all of him. But as he lay there thinking, you know, those stones hurt today. <laughs> that persecution hurt. Am I going to get up and do it again tomorrow? You bet I am. Well, where did the desire to do that come from? The power. It all came from God. And if anything happened, it all glory to God. Same thing with the spiritual disciplines. Classic example is Sunday morning. You wake up and your first thought is, I don't feel like going today. <laughs> well, what gives you the desire and, and the power to throw back the covers and get out of bed when most of your neighbors maybe don't? Well, all glory to God. But it feels like all of you. Pain of regret, too, because sometimes we look back and wish we had done something if we put the effort into it. Right, and in your daily devotional time. God doesn't get you out of bed, drag you to the desk, cause your hands to flop open the Bible, and make your eyes go back and forth. It feels like all of you. But where does the desire for it come? Where does the ability to overcome the inertia come from? Even though you've got a million other things to do, all glory to God. Do we risk becoming addicted to the format or the formula to reach spiritual disciplines that we possibly forego the purpose of really growing in our relationship with God. you understand what I'm saying? Well, sure. We're, we're creatures of habit, and uh, that's certainly true. They can help us as well. They're, by being disciplines, they can help us rather than just coming at it brand new every day. But in, when I talk about praying the Bible, that's the very problem I address. I say that most Christians, it seems there's a universal problem in prayer. They tend to say the same old things about the same old things. Now, the problem is not that we pray about the same old things. That's normal, because your life tends to consist pretty much of the same things, the same family, the same job, the same church. And so it's normal to pray about the same old things, but it's boring to say the same old things about them every day. And when prayer is boring, you don't feel like praying. If you don't feel like praying, it's hard to make yourself pray with any consistency. And I think there's a simple, permanent, biblical solution to that, and that is to pray the Bible pray through a passage of Scripture, you'll pray about the same old things every day, because those things are your life. You'll pray for the same people, but you'll pray about them in brand new ways every day, and you don't need notes to remember these things. You just open your Bible, talk to God about what you see in the Bible. Well, Don, can you give us maybe an example of praying Scripture back to God, maybe praying for a situation or you know, using Scripture to do that prayer? Yeah, I'll amplify one I made mention, go, uh, made mention a moment ago. Let's say Psalm 23. You read the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. And you say, Lord, thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd, and you've shepherded me all my life. But Lord, would you shepherd me in this decision I have to make about my future? Do I make that job change or not? Do I make that move or do I not? Would you shepherd my family today? Guide them into the ways of God and guard them from the ways of the world. Cause them to be your sheep, too, and love you as their shepherd. I pray for our under-shepherds at the church. Shepherd them as they shepherd us, and so forth. And then when nothing else comes to mind, you go to the next line. I shall not want. Lord, I know it pleases you that I bring my desires to you. I thank you. I've never I had missed many meals. But I, I do ask that you'd provide the finances we need for those bills, for that car, for school. Or you know someone who is in want, and you pray for them. And then when nothing else comes to mind, you go to the next line. If you don't understand it, fine, go to the next one. If you understand the next one perfectly, but you just can't think of anything to pray about, fine, go to the next one. And so you just keep going until you run out of time. Sam, I can really see how this can really open up a new world for your prayer life. Yeah, and I think Jesus taught us that when he gave us what is called the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. We're actually walking through that during the summertime, phrase by phrase, learning how to pray this template that he gave us, an outline that we hang things on, each each phrase, and it just opens up. That's what I've been doing this month of July in my own 
personal walk with the Lord, using the Lord's Prayer as a kind of a guide, a track to run on in my prayer time. And I challenge all of our folks every day this summer, pray the Lord's Prayer and make it yours. Expound on it. Let it bring thoughts to your mind. Don, is that something like you're talking about here? That's very similar. And that's something like Martin Luther in his book on Simple Way to Pray, of using each part of the model prayer there as a jumping-off point. But I would also say the reverse is true. If a person prays the Bible consistently, they will pray the elements in the model prayer. Maybe not all of them every day, but if they pray, let's say, Psalm 150 today, they're going to pray the idea of, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If, if they pray other psalms, they're going to emphasize other things that we find in the model prayer. So if you pray the Bible, you will pray the elements the Lord tells us to include in the model prayer. But the model prayer itself can be a way of just praying over it line by line. Don, when you get invited to lead conferences like the one you're going to do here at the Orchard, what do you hope people will walk away with most when they come? That their prayer life will be permanently changed. And, you know, I, it's happened this week. Almost every week I get an email or uh, something that indicates, uh, I got one from Pennsylvania this week. They said, you did a men's retreat at our church in 2010. Our guys are still praying psalms every day. We want you to come back and teach it again. And other than the gospel itself, it's the most instantaneously and permanently transformational thing I ever teach. And more and more, I believe God put me on the planet primarily to teach people how to pray the Bible. And it's my goal. I wish every Christian on the planet could learn how to pray the Bible. Well, going back to the personal spiritual disciplines that we've talked about, how important is it in today's culture to not only build personal spiritual disciplines into our lives, but also I've heard you talk about congregational disciplines. And what do you see are some of the key congregational disciplines that we need to have in our churches? Yeah, in our culture today where there's an emphasis on spirituality by everybody, I have a survey from the front of USA Today where a majority of atheists consider themselves spiritual people. So just try to find anyone who doesn't think themselves spiritual. But it's always in the context of personal spirituality, right? It's a primatized thing. Well, in the Bible, spirituality or Christ-likeness, the only part of that is, is personal. The interpersonal or congregational or corporate disciplines are at least as important. And so biblical Christ-likeness involves the local church. And so there are things we do alone with God that promote intimacy with Christ and conformity to Christ. But there are things we must do with other Christians through whom the Holy Spirit works to help us experience God and grow in Christ-likeness. So corporate worship. We're to worship alone. That's a personal spiritual discipline. But when we worship with God's people, there's an added dimension there. We are to get into the Bible alone, but we're also to get into the Bible with the church. We're to pray alone. We're to pray with the church. That's a public, corporate, congregational spiritual discipline. And some of those in the Bible are by nature interpersonal. Uh, For example, the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, but we're not to serve the Lord's Supper to ourselves in our devotional time. It's given to the church. And, and fellowship, for example, fellowship, and not mere socializing, by the way, but fellowship, talking about God and the things of God, that requires people. And so that is a congregational spiritual discipline that edifies us and helps us experience God, but it demands the presence of other people. Don, I understand that you like to repair and build old fountain pens. <laughs> Uh, have you discovered any similarities with that hobby that relates to spiritual disciplines? Off the top of my head, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just enjoy using uh, vintage pens and repairing those that I can, and 
It's a great pleasure to write with them, and knowing that they're older than I am, they look and write like they did uh, when they were made in the 20s or 30s, and my grandson can use them. Now, you're not talking about refilling those old Bic pens, are you? Uh, those aren't pens. Those are ink sticks. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about the pen, Byron, the from a bottle. Well, how did you get interested in doing that hobby? You know, I don't know. I remember back in the 10th grade when Bic came out with, or Papermate came out with the first FiberPoint pen, the Flare, and I had all 10 colors. And then when I went to college, I would, I would buy as part of my just school supplies a $3 Schaefer cartridge pen uh, in a blister pack. And that developed one thing to another. When my dad died in 85, I got a fountain pen that his boss had given to him. And, and then my wife gave me a good pen. I enjoyed writing with him so much. And just one thing led to another. I am a writer. As a pastor, as a minister, I'm writing sermons all the time. So it just kind of went hand in glove, and it's much more enjoyable to write with them than a regular ballpoint. What's your hobby, Sam? I run, I read, and I play guitar for my own amazement. So <laughs> I'll have a ukulele and a harmonica, and I will not play it publicly, but uh, <laughs> Nor I. for the grandkids I will. <laughs> what about struggles, gentlemen, since you're both pastors? As you see pastors and other full-time ministers when it comes to their spiritual disciplines, because, I mean, you've got to be fresh in your own life, don't you? It, it is so easy to fake it or to study just for sermons. I read the Bible only for sermons. It's easy to fall back into that. I think after a couple of weeks, people begin to sense something is wrong when they hear preaching that doesn't come from an overflow in your own life. They begin to, they're begin they not able to say what it is, but they begin to sense this is something's just not right. Um, like Don, it's something I've make myself do early in the morning, get up. My wife goes to one end of the table. I'm at the other end of the table, and we're uh, we're reading our Bibles. I journal uh, what God is teaching me. It's a method I've used for a number of years. I taught our folks how to feed themselves spiritually using what is called a REAP, R-E-A-P, read, explore, apply, pray. And so I've been doing that for a number of years. I actually learned it, Don, at um, Austin Stone Church. came from that church, and I think that came from a, a pastor in Hawaii uh, use soap, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. But I use one page of my journal. I'll go down the sides, R-E-A-P. I read the text, whatever I'm reading. I'm reading through the scriptures, and something will catch my attention. I feel like I want to explore this. I'll write out some questions that I have about the text or what sticks out to me, and then how does that apply to my life now? And then I'll pray that. I actually write my prayer out on the the bottom of the page, that very thing that I feel like the Lord has spoken to me that day. That's a really good word. And, you know, Don, I can't help but think there might be someone listening today who has become discouraged and maybe feels that God hasn't responded to their years of faithfulness and faithfulness to spiritual disciplines. They've studied their Bibles. They spend hours on their knees, yet a certain tragedy, a crisis, or maybe not understanding a particular portion of Scripture has caused their ship to take on water, and the clouds of circumstance has skewed their vision, and they've come short of giving up. How would you speak to them? First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight: be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And that would be the encouragement for, for the moment. But in, for the ongoing, it would be First uh, Timothy four sixteen, which is my last week's lectures to my students where Paul says to a minister, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. In other words, to your piety, to your theology. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourself and those who hear you. So that's the ongoing need for ministers, both life and doctrine, piety and theology, heat and light, 
spirit and truth. It's, it's always both. Thanks, Don, for sharing that. Well, Sam, who needs to come to this conference at Orchard Fellowship August 3rd and 4th? It's actually wide open to anyone who is interested in learning how to take the next step forward in their life, how to deepen their walk with God, get some practical handles on on how to do that. And I think we downplay the importance of inspiration. And I think anyone coming is going to be motivated and inspired to go back into the Scriptures and learn a new way of interacting with the Lord. August 3rd, Friday night, starts at 7 o'clock. Correct. 7 to what, 10? 7 to 9. 7 to Uh 9. On Saturday morning. And if actually someone goes to our website, um, theorchardchurch.com, there's a pop-up there that gives more information. They can actually register online. And I mentioned Uh, nominal fee. It's only $10. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there child care available? Is there a lunch? Or will you break before lunch? We'll break before lunch, but uh, we'll have child care for the very small, the wee ones, as yeah, they yeah. would say in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is great. And friends, I invite you to go to the website. Sam, what's that address again? Theorchardchurch.com. Theorchardchurch.com. And aside from this conference on August 3rd and 4th, when are your service times? Sunday morning, 9 and 1045. Okay, you get more details at the website. Don, thank you so much for taking time with us today on Bot Radio Network for this show and also for your investment in coming to the Orchard and any closing thoughts for us. Well, I'm just looking forward to coming, and uh, thank you for having me on this interview. Don will actually be speaking at Bellevue Baptist Church on Monday morning, conference on praying the Bible. And so that's open to any pastor, actually anybody who would like to show up at Bellevue and be a part of that as well. Okay, and what time is that? I believe that starts at 10 o'clock. Okay. And don't forget that, friend. Thanks again, Sam. Don, thank you, gentlemen, for what you both do for Christ's kingdom, exhorting us to get closer to Jesus in our relationship, challenging us with these uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, When we're in those valleys, we're in those tough times, having the refreshment of God's Word speaking to our soul. I mean, there's nothing like it, you know? We can uh, chat all day long on social media about how we are, are upset about something. But when we get alone with God and get in His Word and allow His Word to wash us and cleanse us, there's nothing like it. Absolutely. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 